Well, I interviewed a guy called Kevin Palmieri, and he's this CFO and founder and co-host of an organization and a podcast called Next Level University. The podcast has got over a thousand episodes and got a huge amount of people listening to it. But the thing with Kevin was, in his mid-twenties, he had it all, and he had everything in his life, but he was still on the edge of debating suicide. And after his rock-bottom moment, he went all-in around being holistic self-improvement. Now, we had an interesting discussion together, and a few things that he actually covered off was, people don't fail, they quit. And the other thing, too, is he, you know, he, the way he likes to lead is the way he likes to be led. So, in other words treating people the way that you want to be treated as well. And then he, then he said this, which is, in every single interaction that you have, make sure that you're leading in every single one of them. And so Kevin shared some really, really cool wisdom, insights, and his thoughts from his experiences and so forth. So listeners, why don't we listen to the interview right now? Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, listeners, welcome to another wonderful uh, episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Kevin Palmieri. Kevin, a massive welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat and see where we go today. Awesome. Yeah. And um, whereabouts in the world are you today? I live on the East Coast of the United States in a place called New Hampshire. That's where I live. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And so it's Friday for you, Saturday for me. Mm -hmm. You're talking to you tomorrow. And I can't give you the lotto numbers because... It hasn't happened. I was going to say, so. I said, I said, what's the future like? Tell me what the future's like. And you said, you don't need a raincoat or an umbrella. So I think that's a win. Yeah, excellent. All right. I've given the introduction to the listeners a little bit prior to this uh, starting here. But is there, a, you know, tell us a little bit more about you and your background. What have you done? What do you do today? Love to hear more. Yeah, I am the currently the CFO, the founder, and the host of Next Level University. We're a global top 100 podcast with 1,125 episodes, I think, as of today listeners in 125 plus countries. And we do an episode every day. So we every single day, we're jumping on these microphones trying to add value to our amazing community. And I'd love to say that I was an entrepreneur growing up and a business owner, and I always wanted this. But I job hopped for a long time until I found quote unquote success, realized that wasn't what I wanted out of life, ended up sitting on the edge of a bed debating suicide, and leaving all of that behind to to start this mission to impact as many people as humanly possible. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Of because course. I think that uh, a lot of people out there today are like that as well. They're going through all sorts of things. They don't know. They, they, there's a whole lot of kids who are at, um, excuse me, university or college. And uh, well, we call it, you call it college in your country. We call it university here. But even at high school and things like that. And so they don't, they don't know what they're wanting to do. Yeah. And they get these wonderful degrees and these pieces of paper and they go and embark on the world and then what? Mm. And if, if someone is like that, what, what do you suggest they should be thinking about if they're unsure on what they should do? It's, it's a challenge because I'm, I didn't go to college. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. This is what I would say. I would say, what do you think would make you the most fulfilled? Not what would make you the happiest. What are you 
when you do it, you enjoy the process so much, even if you were doing it for free. Because I believe when you start something, many people start something for profit and they're not even passionate about it. And they're counting down the days until they can finish that job or that career or retire. When if you said, okay, what am I unreasonably passionate about that I'm willing to try and I'm willing to stay in the pool until I learn how to swim, AKA, I'm willing to do it until I figure out how to make money. I think that is a recipe for a more fulfilling, a more aligned and a more impactful life. Yeah, very good. Now, when you said about the fulfilling stuff, if I think about what you've done already in the podcasting world and in your your business as well, it's it's awesome. And that, I think, and knowing from what I am, where I am now, nowhere near where you are, but the thing here is this, is that what you and I understand from a podcasting world, but it's also relevant for an entrepreneur, relevant for a leader, even if it's in a small to large corporate, is commitment mm-hmm. and consistency. Those two key words. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, consistency. This is always the example I use. If you tried to get me to do the splits right now, any gymnastic moves, I would be in some trouble. I am not there. But if I said, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment today that I'm going to practice the splits for five minutes every single day for the next 365 days. I am willing to bet the bank that within a year, I'd be able to do it. But if I went down to six days a week, it might happen. It might take longer. Five days a week, same thing. If I only did it once a week, I probably wouldn't see any change. And that's the importance of consistency from many different perspectives. One, you can ignite the power of the compound effect. Two, you're going to learn so much about what you're doing. Three, the more reps you do, so the more performances of something you do, the more you can run the mastery formula of, okay, let me prep for this. Let me show up and do it. Let me reflect and figure out what worked and what didn't. Honestly, you can't really win without consistency. You can't win without consistency. And understand this, commitment is so important because in the beginning of every journey, the results are very, very minimal. Very minimal. Sometimes you're getting the opposite of results. You're getting negative results. But if you stay committed to something long enough, and you have the staying power, you have a much, much higher likelihood of succeeding. I can't promise you'll be successful, but I can promise you if you quit, you won't be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we see in the podcast world and anything else in life that people do quit. And, and I think they quit too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, as you said, they do it for a little while or the way I say it sometimes is they poke it with a stick and then, ta-da, am I successful yet? No. And then they go, oh, well, it didn't work for me. And I think it's just too early to quit. It's, I don't think people fail. I think people quit. I really, mm. and again, in the beginning, if you said that to me, I would say, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? Now I have the understanding that after a hundred episodes, if we quit because we weren't successful yet, we would have said, well, we tried this podcast thing. After a hundred episodes, nothing happened. Same after 200, same after 300. But now we're getting more listens in a day than we got in the first year. But that never would have happened if we stopped after year one. So yeah, the commitment aspect is so important. Yeah, I've got to tell you a funny story. Well, I think it's funny. I used to do competitive ballroom dancing many years ago when I met Mary, my wife. And we're at a social event one day, and it's going to along the stories of you doing the splits, right, and, and taking time. Mm. Well, I was acting the goat at the social event, and I slipped, and I ended up doing the splits, and all there was this thud, and I came off. And you know how you said it takes a while for you to do that, but you have to build up onto yeah. it, right, build up on it. For me, it was just like within seconds, I here I was, and I did the splits. I had to take nine months off mm. because I wasn't prepared. And I think the big thing here for a lot of people is that at the time it was funny and it, and it, but it hurt. 
and uh, and so forth. But I think preparation is another thing that people need to think about. What's your thoughts on that? That's that's one of the reasons why the consistency is so important because what goes into the performance is the preparation. So not only have you done, say you've done 500 coaching calls, you haven't just done 500 coaching calls. You've done 500 preparations for coaching calls as well as 500 follow-ups from coaching calls. And every single one of those things makes you a little bit better. So preparation, especially in, in my industry, what we do is so important because if you don't take preparation seriously, it's very hard to take the performance seriously. And it's very hard to get good results. So much of what you do is before and after the actual performance. Mm, I love it. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, Kevin, how did you get into to leadership? <laughs> much by accident. We started a podcast. The podcast grew through us really leaning into our growth and our self-improvement, our personal development. And we said, all right, we're at the point now where we, we need a team. We're running out of time. We don't. We can't do everything ourselves now. So we started bringing on people from the community who wanted to work on the mission. And it was one of those, okay, this is going to be a trial by fire, I guess. We're going to learn how to lead effectively. So I started real leadership when we started building a team. I had a little bit of background. I was, I was the captain of my baseball team. That counts a little bit. I was the foreman of the company I worked for. So I was leading anywhere from two to to six individuals on jobs. So I had some leadership experience, but it was really for me when we turned this into an actual business and we said, okay, it's it's time to build out a team that can help us accomplish this mission. Mm. And, and having that team around you, you know, that mission, that mm. purpose where you're going is really key. Yeah. And have you learned a lot from being that leader and having <laughs> to bring on the team to help with the mission? Yeah, I think it's not what I expected, but it's it's one of those weird things where I've always just tried to lead the way I'd like to be led. And I didn't realize that what we were doing was super weird compared to what's happening in a lot of different companies and organizations. I think the most challenging thing for me was making sure I'm taking ownership for exactly what I should be taking ownership for in terms of the mistakes being made. It's very hard to blame somebody else. I mean, it's very easy to blame somebody else. It's very hard to blame yourself when it's your own fault. That's been one of the biggest challenges because... I think we all have that subconscious fear that, well, if I make a lot of mistakes, people aren't going to respect me. Or if I make a lot of mistakes, people are going to look at me differently or they're not going to trust me. When I think, in fact, it's the opposite. When you own up to your mistakes, even going to our conversation about commitment, when you're committed to being the best leader you can possibly be, I think that people look up to that and they understand how challenging it is to, to take ownership for mistakes. So that's been one of the harder things for me. One of the most positive things is seeing how fast and how drastically people can grow. It's so inspiring to see how people grow through positive interactions, through positive feedback, opportunities for growth, opportunities to get out of their comfort zone. It's been very big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then I think that's where we learn a lot is by those mistakes, but we're turning them into, into learning, into insights to move forward. Mm. And uh, yeah, I love what you just said there. Uh, I, I, I like to lead the way that I like to be led. I think that is really cool because I think the thing is treat people the way that you would like to be treated yeah. is going to be the, the great way. And, you know, there's, there's the saying out there all the time, which is people don't care what title you've got. They don't care what kind of experience you've got. They don't, what they care about is how you make them feel. Yeah. And if you can do that in the way that you just said about the way that, I, you know, I would want to lead the way I like, you know, I like to be led. I think it's the great way to do it. Yeah, I think that we 
we're in a different, I mean, leadership is changing. One of the ways leadership is changing is it's not about it's not about making sure somebody fits into a certain box in order to stay at a company. Now it's how do we make it, and this is my perspective, how do we make it the largest win-win possible? Because when the relationship is win-win, both sides are winning, but also both, both sides are willing to pour into the other side more. If somebody wants to take time off because there's a death in the family, somebody saying, no, you can't take time off is such a big long-term loss. Is it a short-term productivity hit? Sure, maybe. Mm. Is it a long-term productivity hit? Yeah, if you don't let them take the time off. But if you let them take the time off, they're going to come back and say, wow, I really appreciate the fact that my employer, whoever I'm working with, looks out for me and understands that outside of this company, I have a life and I have people that, they, that I love and care about. I think that gesture goes a long, long, long way. And if you're thinking of it from a long-term perspective, you're really investing energy and emotion into another human being. So you have to do it in a sustainable way. And is, I mean, the, the title is called Leadership is Changing of the Podcast. And that is there, I mean, do you think it really is changing a lot for, for what we're seeing in business today and the community and leadership and all that? Or is it only for business, but community side of things isn't changing as much? I like to think it's changing across the board because now with the transparency that you have from not just social media, but just media in general, if somebody is terrible behind the scenes, you find out about it more likely than you used to, or at least quicker than you used to. So I think that the potential detriment is higher now where it's extra motivation for people to say, look, I got to get my stuff together. I got to make sure that I'm leading effectively and not from a place of fear or scarcity. So I like to think across the board it is. Is it as fast as it could be? Probably not. I think in the grand scheme of things, and I think about this often, the civilized humanity hasn't been around for that long, all things considered. So I think that when we look back a couple hundred years, things were drastically different. A lot has already changed. There's definitely a lot of room for improvement, but we have made a lot of progress for sure. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. Now, this person could be alive or could be from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? This is a tough one for me. This is a mm. tough one for me. Because you don't know the behind the scenes. So this is what I would say. I would say it's either Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. And it's not based on my perception of the way they treat people. It's based on how courageously they pursue what they believe is right. In terms of both of them had these giant ideas of things that seemed impossible at the time and now are realities. And in some cases, things we can't live without, quote unquote. So I would say those are the two, not based on personalities or communication or the way they affected morale in the company, but more of being courageous with their, their decision-making and their vision. So we've talked about consistency. We've talked about commitment. So let's add in the third C, which is courage, mm. that you sort of just tapped, tapped onto just there with about Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Courage, a leader today, how much courage do they need to have? And what do, you, what do you think is they, they should be thinking about in relation to courage or being courageous? Yeah, I think they have to have more courage than they did yesterday. I really think it's one of those things where it depends on what kind of leader you are. So in our organization, most of the people on our team are people who don't believe in themselves enough. We haven't done well with people who are very arrogant and, and kind of humbling them through example. We haven't done well with that. That's not something I'm good at. So courage for me 
might be giving somebody a potentially negative piece of feedback. That might be that might be what it is. Courage for another leader might be giving somebody a positive piece of feedback because they never received positive feedback in their leadership training or any of the organizations that they've been part of. It really is such a personal thing, but you have to figure out what is my unique weakness that I want to work on the most. And every single day is a new opportunity. You have a flashcard above your right shoulder that says conscious leadership. That's what conscious leadership really is. It's what am I good at? I'm good at leading through vision. Awesome. What am I not so good at? I'm not really good at checking in with people to see how they're doing on the day to day. You have to understand your weakness and then figure out, okay, what is the fear behind that weakness that is perpetuating it? And that's where I think you have to lean into the courage and then the consistency of doing it every day. You're going to be a very, very, very good leader if you do that. Yeah. Uh, a strong, impactful leader that's going to lead an organization, teams, you let alone themselves first yeah. and to be able to move forward, which is going to be really, really important. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Now, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, you choose which one, or even if you want to talk about both of them. But if you were having a, if you were sitting on a park bench with both of them, possibly, or one of them, what would be, and you're having a cup of coffee together, mm. what would be one question you want to ask them? I would probably ask, how, how did you get over the fear of being disliked? Or how did you block the fear of being disliked from stopping you? Because I think that there are people who definitely looked up to both of those individuals. But there's also a lot of people who are not fans of them and think that they're doing terrible things in the, or were doing terrible things in the world for Steve. That, how did you stay so committed to the mission that you didn't care what people think? I'd love to think I'm that type of person, but I do care what people think. I really do. I think the vast majority of humans do. So I'd love to hear what they said about that. Yeah, because I think you know, they probably don't wake up in the morning to say, "I'm going to be, I want to be disliked today." Right. That's not what that's not what they're doing, right? But I think the thing here is that commitment uh, to the mission and understanding it. So we've got to get it across the line. We want to make it happen, and you know, we think about it. I mean, Steve Jobs. If you think about the iPod and then onto the iPads and the phones and everything like, it's changed our lives. Yeah, it's, it's changed it's the really, world. It's really, really big. But that that had to go through a certain process to happen, and it wasn't just going to be click your fingers, we'll take a red pill or blue pill or whatever, and da-da, yeah. it's there. It's going to take a massive amount of work and people to make it happen. And so sometimes they are going to have to be the drivers to make it happen and, and have that vision to get it across the line. So sometimes they might be like that as well. But I love it. I think it's a great question. What should we ask that question today? <laughs> eh? It'd be pretty cool, yeah. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier on, I think that, you know, things are getting fast in the world that we're in today. Because mm. we talk, think about business, you think about data, technology. I think technology is driving a lot of it. Yeah. Social as well. Things are getting so fast. So how does a leader be successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I think one of the ways, and it's not necessarily the popular answer, but I think it's you make sure that you're leading in every single interaction you have because you're going to have the opportunity now to have way more interactions where just because you're the head or the leader or the CEO or whatever it may be of a business doesn't mean you're behind a wall that nobody can access anymore. It means that you're actually somewhat accessible because of social media and technology. So I think that's what it is. It's treat every opportunity as a potential opportunity to spread the mission. Because when you do that, you're thinking of the mission first and everything you do is different. When you go and get coffee in the morning and if your mission is to instill positive change in the world, 
the way you get your coffee is different. It just is because you are doing it intentionally. So I would say that. Make sure that you're trying to be as, ten- as intentional as often as humanly possible. And I think you'll probably get better results in every aspect of life. Yeah, I agree. And, and being intentional, being real as well, yes. and uh, authentic with it, because otherwise, you know, people will see through that BS, right? So yep. they'll definitely see that. But then on the other side as well, that intention to do it, if you're a leader that has an intention and you're going through one day this way and then tomorrow you're different, I think that you actually see it, send uh, mixed messages to people and it yeah. becomes very confusing. Yeah. In other words, oh, I wonder which leader's going to turn up today. Yeah. So that goes back to that word you said before as well, again, about being consistent as well with that too. 100%. I was, I was going to say that. You beat me to it. It, it is, why do we like certain restaurants? Because they are consistent. We mm. know what we're going to get. Why do we go to restaurants that aren't so good? Well, we know the food's okay. We're going to get an okay meal for an okay price. That is the consistency of the brand. And I think it's the consistency of the human as well. What brand of this leader am I going to get today? Exactly to your point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up in a coffee in the coffee industry, but I think when I'm traveling the world, there'll be two sort of, I mean, not that I'm not saying that it's good quality or anything like that, mm-hmm. but there's two organizations that if I wanted to know that I can trust or know what I'm getting consistently, I'll go to McDonald's or I'll go to a Starbucks because I know what you get around the world. It's yeah. consistent. Yeah. No Dunkin' Donuts? Yep. Oh, you have Dunkin' Donuts? Okay. Yeah, we've got Dunkin' Donuts. We've got Krispy Kreme sort of came Ooh. into New Zealand in the last sort of three, four, five years. I've come here. But we actually have locally here, people have donuts called, it's called Donuts for Growing Ups. And they're beautiful donuts, but filled with amazing stuff. I need it. And, you know, you can't have one. You have to have two. Of right, course. Balance. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful stuff. And um, always. I'm jealous now. Envious. Yeah, there you go. Envious. My mouth's watering. <laughs> so, Kevin, we've been talking about leadership. We've been talking about leaders. Uh, if we were to change gears mm. and think about the employee today, you talked about you bringing on a team around you to make things happen, to help with the mission and so forth. If we think about an employee's perspective from their eyes, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Yeah, I believe, and this is as somebody who always longed for this from employers, I think that people, especially employees, are starting to say, look, I have a life outside of work, and I really, really wish you'd understand that, and at least try to be somewhat flexible when it comes to that, especially now where we're in this virtual world. There is, it's going to get to the point now where, look, we worked from home for the last two years. There's no reason we can't do that. There's no reason we can't continue doing that. Why are you making me drive to an office? It doesn't make any sense. So I I really think that's what it is, is trying to integrate, yes, we're going to work 40 hours a week, whatever it is. How do we make it so this person can also have a higher quality of life? And they don't have to put work first. That's such a weird way to look at things. It's just such a weird way to look at things that you have to look at your job before you look at your family. It doesn't make any sense. It's just not sustainable. So I think that's the new push from the employee side is, look, I want to have a high quality of life and I don't want it to feel like I have to choose one or the other. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's awesome because I think, you know, if we think about life, there's our life and you've got a mission. So I'm going to come work for you or with you for a period of time every day to help with the mission. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's my life. It right. doesn't mean it's, it's everything, right? I'm coming in for that period of time to do the mission, and, which is really good. Who the heck came up with 40 hours a week? I mean, where did that come from? 
don't know. And, and why 40 hours? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I know there's some places that are doing the four-hour, uh, the four-day work weeks now, so I'm curious to see how that... But I, I just wonder if it's... Especially people were saying, well, when you work from... When you're virtual, you're not as productive. I would argue that you're probably more productive because you're not driving to an office, so you don't have to wake up as early, so you actually have time to do stuff that fills your cup. You don't have to go to bed at 8 o'clock because you have to get up at 4 I'm willing to bet the long-term benefits probably outweigh the short-term detriments. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, even if you think about workshops or training um, and things like that, you're sitting there. You, you can't sit there for four hours straight. You've got to be being able to do things yeah. and, and have breaks. And that's why we do regular breaks. That's why also for a lot of training organizations today, you know, sound bites or shorter versions, micro lessons as they call them, things like that, mm. are a lot better than two-hour kind of thing yeah. online. You could do that. That should be available, made available too, but we also need to think a little bit differently outside the I box. I agree. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, Kevin, if I was going to get... I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here now and okay. um, and, and think about the future. And um, the question is, where do you see leadership being in five years? In five years? I don't think a lot will change in five years. I think that it's going to be... It'll be more optimized for the most sustainable lifestyle for the individual that's working at the company. I think that's what's going to happen is leaders are going to understand, look, the morale is just as important as the numbers when it comes to how much like how much productivity is happening. The morale is a short-term measurement, but it also really leads into how successful somebody is going to be long-term. The profitability, you can, uh, the productivity, you can always improve through trainings and through shortcuts and stuff like that. Focus, they're going to focus more on the morale because they're going to understand the long-term ROI of that morale is very, very, very high. Based on what you just said there, and we were talking about the employees before, and I'm still not sure whether this is still happening in the US, but that are what they call the great resignation. Mm-hmm. I think well, it's happening here as well, where a lot of organizations can't find people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm asking, where the heck have the people gone? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, not as if they all died from with COVID or from COVID. Where did they go? And I think a lot of it is because of reevaluated life and they've gone, nah, I don't want to be in that corporate world anymore. I want to go and do something else. Or the lockdown period, they've gone and reskilled themselves and then gone off to go and do something else. So that's where they've changed. But I also say to leaders, look in the mirror. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, think about it. How are you treating people? Where is the morale of the organization? Where's the culture right now? Because possibly we're not looking after people well enough. And I don't mean wrapping them up in cotton wool and you're okay, but even just being very strong with them about the vision, the mission, the purpose, where we're going. If they don't see that, they're saying, see you later. For sure. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, 100%. The, if, it's not just about the paycheck in the parking spot. It's about what is the mission that the person is signing up for. It, it's way more than it's ever been that because there are so many more companies that are actually doing good in terms of transparently doing good. And even to your point, what happened with COVID was a lot of people got a new way of life. And mm. it was, oh, I can actually work from home and be as productive and make the same amount of money and actually make more money because I don't have to drive my car. And people got a little taste of what that could be like. Now going back to an office has way more negativity associated because it's like, not only am I going back, but I know I can actually do this from my home. So it, it's a double dose of that. So I think that's the interesting thing. And I do believe that will start shifting. I think it has to start shifting because you're going to realize that the real estate that it, it requires to have a bunch of people come into a building is probably not worth what you're paying 
in terms of the productivity. I don't think you're going to lose that much productivity. Mm-hmm. So it's going to change in what way? You mean people will come back more into work or I think or less. less. I think big companies are going to realize, okay, we have all of this commercial real estate that we're paying an outrageous amount of money per month for. What if we just figured out the long-term cost of that and then the long-term potential cost of loss of productivity? And or what about this? What if we just teach people to be more productive at home? I don't, I don't, why can't we just do trainings with home productivity to eliminate distractions and make sure you have a good space? Like that's a whole nother topic too. Mm. Yeah, should we get on? No, no, you're <laughs> right. I mean, it is another topic, but um, I think it's important. So should we buy some commercial property and rent it out to, to organizations? No, I don't think, I think so. <laughs> well, I, I think it depends on what it is. I mean, if it's a, if it's a manufacturing type scenario yeah. and things like that, we'd probably be okay. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I, having office blocks is really, really quite an interesting dilemma right now. Yeah, we we had a podcast studio. It was a custom podcast studio in this old brick building, downtown Worcester, Massachusetts. And I can tell you that every month there was another place open. There was another spot open. There was another spot open. People were leaving there because they were small businesses that didn't need office space anymore. They, they, it didn't it didn't make sense because at one point you needed that to operate. Now, if even if you're a counselor, you don't really need an office space if you're doing all your calls virtually, as long as you have a small, quiet place at home. So the fact that we are allowed and it's acceptable to do so much virtually now also really helps you figure out, well, how much real estate do I actually need to do this? Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how it's all changed. Yeah. And so um, I'm seeing also the same thing here too, that a lot of people are starting to now work from home. Or they work from home, but then they may go to a shared office nearby to actually just be around people. Mm. And others just love working out of cafes. I have a friend of mine who has, for th- the last 30 years that I've got, not even 30 years, 20 years that I've known him, and he has always worked as an entrepreneur in cafes. Mm. He loves the hustle and bustle. Yeah. And if he doesn't hear those beans being grounded and, you know, the, the grinder working, it's, um, he's sort of like, he doesn't feel right. And I actually said to him recently, I see him being the most creative he is when he's in those cafes. Yeah. It's important mm. to, make, to figure out where do you work best? Because that's the mm. thing too, is some people do want to go back to the office because they want, they want some sort of human interaction. I'm a lock me in the, just lock me in the office. I'm good. I don't, I don't want to leave. I'm just, once I sit here, I'm good. But to your point, it's very important to figure out where do you do your best work? Where do you feel the most creative? Where are you the most productive? Where can you be the most productive? It's a very important conversation too. Yeah. So when you said you came out of that sort of building, where do you do all your work now in the podcast and other things from? 20 feet from my bedroom. (laughs) At at home. At home. I have a, a studio at home because, I mean, realistically, all you see is this frame. You don't yes. see anything. So we have, it's, we have a spare bedroom where there's a bed over there. I have a big TV. I got my lights. I got my wall. So yeah, it's, it's at home where I don't have to pay extra for it. I can use it 24-7. It's always accessible to me. It's right next to the router. So a lot of things are in my control here, which is very, very helpful. Yeah. Just as I know you can't see the, his wall, but his wall, his background is fantastic. It's Thank like you. a... I don't even know. It's like coming out of a spaceship, Yeah, it's, it's, I found it on Amazon. It's called 3D wall art. And I said, all right, cool. And then I threw a couple lights down and boom, now it, it looks like I am in a spacecraft, which I think is good for me. Yeah, that's very good. Well, Kevin, it's been a real pleasure working with you and talking to you today on today's episode. Hey, if our listeners have wanted to get hold of you, where should they go? 
I always send people to the podcast if they want to listen to the podcast, Next Level University. And then my name is Kevin Palmieri on LinkedIn, P-A-L-M-I-E-R-I. Shoot me a message. I am happy to connect there and add any value I can. Awesome. Once again, Kevin, many thanks for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank my you. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. There you go, listeners. Another wonderful episode on the Leadership is Changing podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 